everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Authentic Life Design Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Today we have something like a special episode. In the beginning of this month, I spent 17 days in Nepal doing a trekking with my dad around the valleys of Nar and Fu. And I feel like there is a lot to say about that. Um, I tried to gather my whole storytelling around eight lessons that I learned during my trekking and I hope that you find something inside and you find it helpful or inspiring in a way. So thank you for being here. I'm really glad to be sharing this story with you. It's been something that I wanted to do for such a long time. So get yourself comfy, go on a walk, whatever you feel like doing while listening to this I guess adventurous <laughs> episode of the podcast and let's dive into it. For those of you who are new here, hi, my name is Vihra. I am a life design coach and authentic life design is my platform to help people build the life that they want. I have an Instagram account, this podcast, a monthly newsletter, and in all of these channels, I am trying to bring more inspirational and informational uh, content around how to find your authentic self, how to tap more into who you really are, how to express this both in your relationships, in your work, how to build a freelance business, develop ideas, all of the shebang including also online presence. <laughs> so that's what I do. Uh, if you're interested, you can check out my website. It's in the show notes. And uh, before jumping to the story, I wanted to do a little announcement on the 11th of December uh, for all of my listeners who are based in Bulgaria, where I am currently. I will be giving a workshop all about planning and uh, setting realistic goals, creating a vision for the new year. Um, it's together with uh, Studio Karakashan and I'm really, really happy to be doing that and finally having an in-person workshop. So in case you're in Sofia, in case you're interested, I will be including this link also. Mm. Okay, without further ado, what are my eight lessons from Nepal? Maybe a little backstory before jumping to that. When I was a kid, uh, and we're speaking about me being, I guess, between 10 and 15 years old, my father, who is a mountain climber, um, he was always not at home, <laughs> or very often not at home, uh, spending a lot of time in Nepal, in the Himalayas, and later on in the Antarctic. So let's say my father is a very adventurous guy. However, when I was a kid, I didn't exactly understand what he was doing to me was just that is not home <laughs> I was very proud of him of course um, even though I wasn't exactly even imagining what he's doing on these trekkings um, he was doing some scientific um, researches back then I had no clue about that so when I was growing up at some point I don't know I think it was two years ago I was like wondering what happened in these five years when he was not home, what, what did he found there? And we were speaking, I think first I was watching a documentary um, on Everest and then I was talking with a friend um, and he was asking a lot of questions about my dad and I was like, 
it's weird that I can't even answer you that. And I probably should know <laughs> what he did there. So I got really curious uh, to know. And once, just like a joke, I was like, hey, it would be really cool if we can go together there and you tell me all of your stories and show me the places that you've been. And maybe I can connect to that my first lesson, uh, which here I've written down, when you have a clear vision, uh, things find way to come to you at the right time. Um, and very often in a very unlogical way. I know that we are used to plan, or at least I was a person who felt very secure and very good when I had a clear structure and plan about my life, meaning that at the start of the year I would create all of these goals, and I still do that in a way, but before it was very, mm, it felt to me that there is just one way this should happen, and also when I had something in mind that I was very um, stubborn into creating it. So lately, and by lately I mean the last two years I would say, I'm much more flexible and I see what things come to me and once they come I try to evaluate is this something that I want or not and also in the start of the year I like to dream very big <laughs> to be honest about the things that I want in my life and why am I saying, is, uh, saying this is that in, in the start of 2021 um, I had written down in my bullet journal Sometimes we can be talking about what a bullet journal is, but let's say the journal that I write in. I had written down that I really want to go uh, in Nepal with my dad. Financially, this had no way to be happening for me. <laughs> and I also hadn't planned it um, in like which month and how to do it. No, no idea. I just knew that I want this to happen. And I made almost zero effort into creating this. It was just me believing hard time that yes, this will happen. And somehow think, the, the moment when things are aligned, this will um, come to life as an idea. And we're speaking also, uh, 2021 uh, is still a very <laughs> COVID-19 influenced year. We know in which circumstances we're living, uh, under which circumstances we're living. So, Let's say it was very naive, maybe even from my side to believe in that, but I knew that it's happening. So in the end of September, I think, I received a call from my dad and he was like, hey, uh, by the way, there is a group, um, organized trekking group that is heading to Nepal in the end of October for three weeks. Do you wanna go? And I was like, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I think I blocked. Then I looked at my calendar. I saw that I have things planned for November, but um, they all could be rescheduled in different ways. Financially, I told him that I am not able to do that. And he said that he wants to give me this as a gift, more or less. And I was like, oh, okay, this box is checked. So pretty much I just needed to um, clear off my schedule pack, <laughs> prepare mentally and physically and just go on that journey. So this is just one example and in this context of how when we really want something to happen and we believe in it with our whole hearts, 
it really comes and it really comes in most unexpected ways. And I know both these uh, sentences might sound very cheesy and romantic, but the same thing happened to me with my relationship, um, with my romantic relationship right now. And same thing has happened with my job. When you're open to possibilities and when you're open to things unfolding in their own way, you start seeing that maybe, just maybe, <laughs> things start happening and come to you again when the right time is. There is also a little thing. You have to believe that there is right timing and that maybe the one that you... Sometimes we plan and we want things to happen right now or next month and there are so many things standing in our way. And I think in these moments it's good to just be aware that maybe, just maybe, there is... Life has another plan for us and it's maybe even better. So we better be open for that. The second lesson for me was how important it is to shape your work life based on your needs and how you want it to be. In my early 20s, for a very long time, I didn't know what I want to work. I didn't know what jobs I like. I couldn't even imagine my career. I was jumping from one thing to the next. But one thing that I was absolutely sure of was that I want flexibility and freedom in my work. I knew that I want to be the person who decides when to have vacation days, I wanted to be self-organized, I wanted to be able to work from any place in the world and I'm so thankful that I followed these inner knowing and also these decisions that I've made um, since then because if, it, if I had a normal 9 to 5 job, first I wouldn't be the person that I am right now, <laughs> but also I don't think that I would have been able to just spontaneously decide to leave for 17 days for Nepal and in this moment when my father called me and I looked at my calendar I was like I am so blessed to be able to make these decisions and to shape my um, life the way I want it I rescheduled all of the calls that I had with clients I moved things around nothing was really um, scary or um, how to say it yeah, I don't know. It just felt easy. I also had complete understanding from the people that I work with, which was also amazing. And I was ready to pack my stuff and go. This is a short lesson, but I want you to think about what exactly you want from your work life. And if you're currently in a job and there are things that are troubling you, how can you redesign that? <laughs> how can you find a way to make it work for you? Because to me, it was a struggle for a long time to find ways to position myself as a freelancer in the start, knowing what services I can give to people, how to do that. It's connected to so much self-organization. There are so many downsides of <laughs> working by your own, but being able to travel whenever I want to, being able to work from anywhere, for me, this was the biggest thing. And yeah. Our work life is something that we should shape really intentionally because we will work pretty much our whole life. I mean, if you have another plan, please let me know and also let me know how that functions. But I think I live in a reality where we work and I've made the decision for myself to love my work, no matter what it is, to be happy with um, the things that I'm doing and to be free.
and I love it. Lesson number three is time is the best gift that you can give to people. Being in Nepal wasn't my dream. My dream was to spend more time with my dad and get to know him a bit more. I don't know how your relationship with your dad is, but I must say that it has been always very hard for me to connect to him, mostly because I am a very emotional person. I'm a person that loves to speak, to express uh, their emotion with words. And my father is more of a doer. Um, he likes to, always when we have spent time, when I was a kid, we have been climbing together, we have been skiing together. He was this access to nature for me. And it's been amazing what things we have done together. However, you don't learn so much about a person while you're doing things. Um, and I learned that uh, my way of connecting with him is through doing and also through observing him in different situations. So this was my dream. And I knew that it's also very important for our relationship because he does have the need to spend more time with me, but he is not able to articulate it in any way. <laughs> so I just know it and feel it. And I don't know if this is weird or not, but sometimes um, I think about the <laughs> end of my life <laughs> um, in a positive way. Yes, I think about that just because Mm. I like to be often reminded that um, our time here on this earth is limited. It's not going to be forever. And there are things that I want to do in my life. Um, and I want to have beautiful relationships with my parents and get to know them better, new, um, just know who they were and also have these shared experiences together. So all of these was the reason um, why I wanted to go there. It was not so much about the trekking. Uh, yes, it was interesting. Yes, it was beautiful. Um, but to me was creating this gift of time, let's say, um, to be for 17 days on uh, with my dad. And you really don't have to go to Nepal to do that. <laughs> I want you to think about if this is really important for you too how much time do you spend with your parents or with your closest it doesn't have to be your parents um, we are busy people we live in a very busy world and time is the most precious precious thing that we can give to someone so think about your time as currency and how much you're giving away how much you're giving away for things that are important for you, how much you're giving to the to your closest ones. And yeah, that's it. That's it on the third one. Lesson four, and I love how there are already four lessons and we haven't even begun the training. <laughs> I'm just a very fast learner. Um, lesson number four was that hard times get us closer on the second day that we arrived in Kathmandu, and Kathmandu is the capital of Nepal, um, and before heading to the starting point of our trekking, we heard the news that my grandma has passed away, and this is the mother of my father. It was hard news. It was very hard that we couldn't be with our family at this moment. My grandma was 94, 
and I think there are not many people that live to 94 so I think she had a really really amazing life and she was very active until her last days so this whole thing was very natural in a way however what was an interesting reaction of that was that we were there together me and my father the one that doesn't like to show emotions the one that is shy about emotions and had to man up Mm, and this was the moment when I think he put his guard down and I was able to connect to him emotionally and show him that it's okay it's okay to hug your daughter (laughs) and it's nothing to be ashamed of or uh, feel weird about that we had beautiful conversations and he had his way to cope with the situation I had my ways to cope with it I love to write so I just sat down with my notebook he smoked cigarettes even though he's not smoking Um, it's a interesting thing to see how people process grief the interesting part and the beautiful part there was that it connects us much much more than we could before there was like an outside situation that was really helpful for our relationship too I also learned a lot about my grandma from him. We had beautiful talk. It turned out that she was also a mountain climber, one of the first ones in Bulgaria. Um, She was a skier and I don't know. It was a very sad but very beautiful experience. And maybe the lesson out of that is cherish the people while you have them next to you. Don't forget your grandma. She's probably bored and thinking about you. (laughs) Before transitioning into the next four lessons, I think it's a very good place here to tell you a bit more about Nepal and also what is trekking and introduce you in the whole subject. You don't have to know (laughs) where Nepal is. It's totally fine. So I will use this moment to um, inform ourselves. Nepal is based between India and China. One really cool fact is that they have the um, only flag in the whole world that is uh, not in a square form. Uh, It has like two triangles. I find it cool. I I, I think it's cool. (laughs) The main religion there is Hinduism. Um, There is also a lot of Buddhists. And why Nepal is so interesting, or at least why... Um, it was so present also in my childhood and around all of the family friends is that it is the Mecca if you are a mountain climber. Why? Because the Himalayas are based in Nepal and in the Himalayas you have eight from the 11 8,000ers. That means that eight uh, eight thousand meter high peaks (laughs) sorry, bad English um, are based there and of course you would want to see that. I can name drop probably some of them here. I mean, of course, you have heard about Everest, but do you know that Kanchenjunga (laughs) is also um, 8,500 meters high and it's um, placed in Nepal, also Peak Watshe, Chooyo, and Annapurna. Annapurna uh, we also saw. So the trekking that we did in Dinarfu Valley was close to Annapurna. And it was beautiful to see this 8,000 peak high. It's just another, you feel like uh, Alice in Wonderland and everything is just so big around you. 
that's how you feel in Nepal. Um, what is trekking? This is also something you don't have to know, but trekking means pretty much having a walk in the high mountains. And we haven't done something super hard. It hasn't been an expedition or something like that. Don't imagine it so <laughs> big. We spent seven days walking in a very disconnected region uh, in the mountains. We started from 2,800. Uh, spent most of the time around the 3,500 and our highest point was at the last day where we reached 5,350. Um, there was no peak included because in the Himalayas all peaks started around the 6,000 and you have to be physically very fit <laughs> to go there. My lesson number five was that through seeing people in their elements you can learn so much about them. And I'm such a kind of person that I just like observing people. I like people generally, and I like learning about them, how they think, why they think that way. And to me, it was really beautiful to observe my father while he is doing what he loves, um, what his passion is, because I believe that through this, I could learn so much about what kind of person he is, what he believes in, what values he has in life, what is meaningful to him in life, through the conversation that he had with the other people of the group. And we were such a um, colorful group, I would say. We had our tour guide, we had my dad, we had um, me and another woman. Uh, she was 64, she was a doctor. We had one person around his 50 and 10 years earlier he had lost his wife and he was still healing out of that. We had um, one guy who was 22, 23, 22, I think 22. And I'm missing someone, I'm missing someone. Oh, one singer, he was also around his 50s. And it was beautiful to see how everyone had their story and was finding this trip was something really healing for them in some way or another in their life. So I loved observing people and I loved seeing these different stories of life and learning more. You can imagine in a trekking, you have so much time to talk. Every day we've been walking around five to six hours. Also in the night, you don't have your phone, you don't have any distraction. You just gather around uh, the fire. I think this kind of quality time with people, connecting with others on this way, uh, in this way was really really inspiring for me and heartwarming 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 my lesson number six was that your body can do more than you think and here is important to say that when you go on a trekking and it's in the higher mountains you might experience an altitude sickness this is when you travel to a high elevation without letting your body to adjust to the new altitude you start having a headache, you might have sickness, um, you feel very tired, you don't have enough um, oxygen. So generally, it's just not enough oxygen in the air, so your body just starts struggle, struggling. And I had very little 
unclear <laughs> expectations when I was going on the trekking. As I said, to me, it was really important to spend time with my dad. I knew that if he's a mountain climber and he's taking me with him, I guess I can handle that. And on the fourth day, or was it the sixth? So for sure, the last two days for us was were very challenging because we transitioned from 3,800 to 5,300 uh, and then again to three. So usually in order for your body to adapt well in the higher mountains, you need to um, go around four to 500 meters high every day. So you leave enough time for your body to heal. However, as I said, our trekking was a bit different. So we had this kind of a huge transition and it really hit me. Um, as I said, the other people, they had experience with trekking. For them was a bit better. Um, the other woman, she had medicine that she was taking in. So they adapted really well. I felt so tired. I was dying. <laughs> I couldn't sleep well. This is also something that happens to you because of, um, there is not so much oxygen in the air and your body calms down when you go to sleep and you dream such realistic things that when you wake up, you're like, it, it feels like you just had another day of living. And this adds up to the last days where you already feel tired. There is also physically very big challenges because you have to walk a bit um, longer, at least this was how it was in our case. And the moment when we were reaching uh, 5,000, I was slower than the group. I couldn't go with them. I was having my own pace. I needed to make breaks every four to five steps to breathe in, breathe out, take a breath, see where I am. Okay, cool. Step by step, continuing forward. And this was such a challenge for me, um, a challenge that physically I haven't felt for such a long time. Um, the fact that you also don't sleep so comfortable, of course, sometimes it's very cold. Um, everything added up into a point where I really needed to somehow continue, but my body just wanted to go home and go to a warm place and eat normal food. <laughs> so I was reminded again how powerful our mind is because little by little step by step I was trying to be very motivative to myself and be like okay you're gonna do it come on <laughs> we're doing it and in the end of the day I reached it and I did it I was crying out of I, I'm not sure what by the way I think I was crying out of happiness and being brave and being like very proud of myself but also being so tired and angry <laughs> So I just released everything when I reached the highest point. Uh, did a couple of photos and then continued. Sometimes we forget, you know, sometimes we forget uh, how powerful our mind is. And also we live in a very good, comfortable zone at home. We are not challenged so much physically in the days that we live in. And this is totally fine. But I want you to know that even put out of the, your comfort zone, you're always going to be fine. And you're always going to find a way to make your way through it. And it's good to remind yourself that from time to time with getting out of the comfort zone and doing things that are challenging for you. Because afterwards you feel so proud of yourself and you're like, fuck it, I can do stuff. <laughs> so that was a good lesson. I love this lesson. The next lesson is really intertwined with this one. And it is that there is no ego in the mountain. I loved this one. I loved seeing and experiencing this. And what I mean by that is that, as I told you, because of the altitude sickness, you need to be very patient with yourself um, and also very respectful to the mountain when you go there. 
And there are so many examples of people who feel physically really well and fit and in their power and they go there and they start running through the mountain. They don't respect uh, the altitude. They just want to make this kind of like big uh, accomplishments and then their body reacts in a very bad way and then they are not able to to do that and i it somehow showed me how important patient is pa patience is this day that i told you about the last one when it was very hard for me um, and i was behind my group there is something with your brain like the, you you want to be with your group and i was feeling very bad that i'm um, I'm left behind and I wanted to somehow be faster and go with them and go over my body in order to be with them and my father was reminding me every step of the way no stop breathe you don't need to be there like there is absolutely no matter if you're like 30 minutes behind everybody when you reach the point it's like you just need to go there and it's not about this crazy accomplishment. It's not about you beating your chest and be like, yes, I'm the best or I'm the fastest. It's about just listening to your body, listening to how you adapt to the mountain and also being able at some point, if you don't feel well, there was one guy in the group. Um, he uh, got sick already by day two, actually the day that we were traveling from Kathmandu to Besisahar and it wasn't even about the altitude sickness, he just got something or um, got a cold. We don't know what happened, but he had um, 39.6 uh, temperature fever. I don't know how you call it. So he couldn't continue with us. I think that this lesson he learned even harder than me because then he was one day behind, <laughs> not 30 minutes behind. I think very often we forget to take care of our bodies and we go over them with fitness, with even just physically not giving them enough rest. I think that this was a beautiful lesson to see, to be reminded of, and to just put my ego down and be like, you know what, fuck it, whatever. I'm not gonna be the fastest, I'm not gonna be the best. <laughs> I am just gonna do it <laughs> at some point, in some way. <laughs> the last and truly maybe the most important lesson was that you can be happy with very, very little. Nepal is a very poor country. And for me, this trip was the first time that I went outside of the uh, European Union. And it was really interesting to see a new culture. But most importantly, it was interesting to see how in my understanding of living, these people were living with so little, they didn't have good roads it was very dirty both in Kathmandu and also in the smaller cities they didn't have such a variety of foods that they can eat everything was very regional yes which is great but um, they didn't have so much access to internet to uh, I don't know just this kind of living that I am used to the one that I feel is like this is what you need in order to survive. <laughs> and then you see that other people are surviving with much less. And not only this, they're not only surviving, they are happy and they're so thankful for every little thing. This made me appreciate so much more what I have because I don't know how is it in your country, wherever you live in, but I'm in Bulgaria and we like to complain about the roads, 
about politicians, I don't can even say it, politicians about every situation. We just like generally to complain. These people didn't have any order on their roads. Like they were pretty much crashing almost <laughs> in each other when they were driving their moto motorcycles or cars. And they were smiling. They weren't like screaming at each other. They were fine. They, <laughs> I, I think that in one of the villages, okay, this is another topic, but in one of the villages, they didn't have wood in order to, to uh, wood, wood to put in their fireplace and they were putting poop. They were taking the poop from the animal and then putting it uh, on the sun for a couple of days uh, so it dries out and they, they were using this to get warm. I don't know. I don't It's just really interesting to experience that. I feel much more happy right now. I think it's important to get out of your bubble of living to maybe start appreciating it more. The first couple of days when I was meditating here back home, I felt so happy to have a roof over my head, to have a comfortable bed to sleep in, to have amazing variety of food and fruits. And yeah, I don't know. I think this, this was the biggest shift <laughs> that I experienced. Um, after the trip. There are two things that I want to leave you with in the end of this podcast. One is that people there, um, they greet each other with Namaste. And you, if you practice yoga, you probably know. Namaste means uh, the light in you honors the light in me. The light in me honors the light in you. <laughs> the other way around. Both, I guess. And I think that this is an amazing way to see other people. It puts down the ego in the instant moment and you just see humans as humans and you see how, I don't know, it somehow puts us on the same place, you know, on the same journey. We're just humans trying to figure it out. So this was one thing. And the other is that I've always been very fascinated about Buddhism. I don't know why, but already in my early childhood, I started reading um, Buddhism stories, some books that I found at home, probably out like they were brought by my father from Nepal. Now I tapped even more into that. And Buddhism is really interesting because there you don't have this kind of one God that is almighty and you pray to him. And if you're a good person, it gives you good things. And if you're a bad person, it will punish you much more. It believes that every person um, is capable to become enlightened or find this kind of inner peace in their life and it is your job <laughs> to do that to sit with yourself to get to know yourself better um, to change your mindset to work on your mindset all of these things i found that really really close to my belief system really close to also what i do um, or maybe not so much in this kind of religious context but I do believe that every one of us can reach this kind of fulfillment and happiness is a really cheesy word, but fulfillment state. And in order to do that, you need to sit by yourself. You need to go within, understand who you are, uh, change your mindset for the things that you can't change. And the other thing is also, I was talking with our tour guide who was from Nepal 
and I was trying to get Buddhism and I was like okay if I was a kid how how would you explain to me what that like what do you exactly believe and he said you know what I think in the end of the day it's just being a good person and giving and not only living for yourself but being in service for others too and not having one day without doing something good for someone else helping them and in their belief system this will bring you either in this or maybe in next life in a good place so i will leave you with that i hope the podcast was interesting for you i hope that you were able to you were able to get something out of that i forgot to do this in the start but thank you so much for all your beautiful comments and feedback that you gave me after the first episode it is still very new for me <laughs> to do this but i will continue on if you like the podcast please share it uh, write me a review either here or in apple podcasts it really helps me spread the word let me know what you think about it what you like what you don't like what would you like to hear all of the above i am really happy when i have a conversation with you and i have um, some kind of feedback so have a beautiful rest of the week take care of yourself of the others and make one good deed every day namaste